In the wake of Holy Week, as we kind of go back into the week itself, Thursday being the night in the upper room, Friday being the day that Jesus was crucified, Saturday the day that he's in the grave, and then Sunday, well, that's a new chapter. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's beyond a new chapter. It is, it is a huge sea change for everything that has to do with life here on earth and everyone that's part of it, including you and I. And for us, it's kind of hard for Easter to come around and to continue to stoke the full significance of what God has actually done for you and I. And I don't really know how to communicate it with words always, but one thing I do know is that it definitely creates a change. And I hope in the course of this message, the change that Jesus created for you and I to experience will, on the one hand, show itself in terms of what we were or perhaps even what we are now and what he has in mind for us to become. And I have to say that it's difficult for me to try to look at life through the eyes of the Lord. The best I can do is just be a parent and just think, okay, I'm God's child. God has a a really difficult time with me sometimes just being willful and doing the right thing and constantly prodding me to fall in line. And then he said, yeah, that's okay. I'll give you kids, and then you'll kind of see it from my point of view. And if you've had kids, you sort of know. Being one and having them, I know what it's like. But still, it's hard for me to kind of get the God's eye point of view of things. And what I'd like to do is just sort of illustrate what I think God sees whenever he sees you and I from the standpoint of, um, of dogs. Now, I'm not trying to be unflattering because I'll, tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I'll raise my, my hand way up high. If I were to do a 23 and me, they would probably give me the report and it would say, bottom line, mutt. You're just a mutt. Got a whole bunch of stuff in you from all over the place. And I'm okay with that. I own that. And as Jesus was doing everything that he could to show the mind of God and the heart of God as he wanted to unfold it through the life of Jesus into the lives of the people that he faced in the three-year ministry that he had, he knew that all the people that he saw in his range of vision were the exact people and beyond that God so loved and so wanted to retrieve because he saw how pitiful and pathetic we truly are. Now maybe as you come into this room you might be saying to yourself, well speak for yourself pastor, but I don't think I'm really that bad. But perhaps if you measure yourself by your own standard you might feel that way. However, if you measure yourself based on what God sees when he sees you, not just as you are, but what he originally designed for you to be, He's very frustrated because the gap is great and he wants you to be in this place where you're just running on all cylinders in the way that he designed you. And perhaps when you celebrate Easter, you don't really think about that that much. And so what I'd like to do is just take a, 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 a let me just ask you a question. How many, how many dog lovers do we have here? Several. Do you guys remember the story when the dog who I will refer to as your new family member, became part of your family. Do you remember the story, the circumstances, all the things that went into it? Maybe they're like what you're getting ready to see. Maybe not. But let's take a look.
Now tell me, even if you don't like dogs, that makes you happy, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing like seeing something like that happen where you have a, a hopeless, helpless, abandoned creature that has probably been very abused and certainly not trusting anyone and feeling really like it, it, it's just going to be days before this is all over. Recognizing that there isn't any possibility of getting out of the situation. And if you just looked at how pitiful that situation was, the fact of the matter is when God looks at you and I, he sees us in a place where, well, we really can't help ourselves any more than that dog probably can. That the situation that we found ourselves in from his point of view is so dire that it's going to take something beyond any of us. It's actually going to take an act of God in order for the experience of what you saw in that puppy's life to become a thing. And when Jesus came into the world, he understood what was necessary for you and I to be in that place where we could enjoy a thriving, healthy, hopeful, optimistic life. But here's what Jesus was up against. And I want you to understand this. That if you read the storyline of the Bible, it does make a lot of sense. And it is going somewhere. Initially, what Jesus had uh, set out to accomplish was actually done in the, in, in the wake of so many other events that had occurred. The reality is, if you go back into the biblical story, you find that part of the reason why we are in the place that we are with God in a pathetic state sometimes is of our own doing. I mean, God said, look, I give it all. It's all yours. Everything yours. Enjoy this planet. You are in charge. You can have everything except one thing. You can't have this one thing because it's not good for you. And that is to eat of that fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as they pondered their options, they said, oh, you know what? We like what you're saying and it sounds good and we'll try to abide by it. And it seemed to be going well until another agent stopped into the, stepped into the equation. And his take on things was a little different. He told Adam and Eve, you can probably eat that and it won't hurt you. And if you do, probably better things will happen than you ever imagined. He's just kind of keeping you limited in that place. And so they listened to this one called the serpent, otherwise known as Lucifer. And in the process of listening to him, the choice. And as they did, they... They, they watched it unfold in a way that they didn't anticipate. Everything that they had, that they enjoyed, that they thrived in and on, just began to melt away. And you know why? Because the one who tempted them also had his own ideas about what he wanted to accomplish. You see, by design, his job was actually to serve us. He was one of many, many angels that had a big responsibility to make sure that we stayed within the guardrails. And it was God's design to make us in his image and likeness. And then the angels were created to serve us. But there was one called Lucifer who said, I don't like the idea of serving them. Matter of fact, I don't even like them. And I should be in charge. And you know what? They took the responsibility of managing this whole thing. And by following his word, they said, we give you authority, you're in charge. And he said, thank you. And he took it away from them. And as a result of that, things began to break down 
on many, many fronts. And Jesus saw this unfold and he said, I am not content to leave the situation as it is. And the fact of the matter is, we're kind of responsible because like that first couple, given the option of doing what we want to do when we want to do it, yeah, if you're like me, there are times when we've done those things and we've done them over and over and over and then we've also lived in the wake of the consequences. And it's not always been good. And some of us are kind of reformed. We came to a place like this because, well, our own choice making got into a lot of trouble. And we would rather find a better way. And Jesus, who came on the scene, wanted to offer something as a remedy for those of us who are saying we need a new way. But there's another problem. There is a force of evil at work in the universe and in the unseen realm that's also pressing in on this world and does not like this world and wants to divide every person from one another, whether it's gender or race or whatever, just push them apart. Make them hate each other. Because the fact of the matter is, I hate them. They are trying to take a position in the reality of things that I'm too good to let myself be subject. He began a pretty good campaign of trying to undo all the good things that God has done. So when Jesus arrived on the scene, he was encountering all of these people that were feeling the ill effects of his evil intent. And even one of them we find in Mark chapter 7. And in it, uh, Jesus is encountering another person. Uh, but it happens to be somebody from a different bloodline. And I, and I, and I want to show you, if we can just bump over to Mark 7. It said this, now the woman was a Gentile, that means she was a mutt, like I am, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she happened to, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. You see, the evil one pressed in so hard on her humanity that one of his minions wanted to take over. And like any parent, when you see your kid broken, or worse, tormented, you want to do something about it, don't you? And she felt that same impulse. The only problem was, Jesus was a purebred, pure blood, and she was a mutt. And she was seeing what Jesus was doing for his own people, but because of the fact that she had such a profound love for her daughter, she said, I don't care. I'm going to go up to him and at least get just a semblance of the things that I've seen him doing for his own people. So she says, please, please, Jesus, heal my daughter. I'll do whatever I can to ensure that she's healthy. Like I think any parent would do because our love for our kids is that great. And Jesus, he said to her, let the children, that is the children of Abraham, be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the mutts. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the mutts under the table eat the children's crumbs. And it wasn't that Jesus was saying, I'm going to be hard-hearted or racist against you, but rather he was actually showing how ridiculous this whole thing had become where people were pitted from uh, one from another and how in the eyes of God, when God looks at each of 
the people in Jesus' day, and when he looks at you, he sees, he kind of sees a reflection of himself. You ever look at your children and you're saying, that kid is looking kind of like me. And usually it's when they're doing good. Now when they're acting up, it's like, I see a resemblance to their mother very profoundly. (laughs) But when God looks at us, he just says, I see something there. And they need some help. And so God said, we're going to take this thing and we're going to reset it dramatically. But it is so difficult to do that it is going to require God becoming one of us in the form of Jesus. And as Jesus did that and he wandered around for three years, he displayed everything that would indicate his intention. You know, what his true motives were. Where his heart was. And it became obvious to most people that he was the real deal. Even this lady said, I don't care about my ethnic background or the fact that by your standard, I'm substandard. I just want my, my daughter healed. And Jesus is like, your daughter will be healed. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, Isaiah wrote about anticipating this moment. And I know I got a scripture up there from Isaiah that I'd like to throw in right now if we can. And it basically says this. He came to heal He came to open the eyes of the blind. He came to set the prisoners from the dungeon and take those who are living in darkness and call them back into light. Several hundred years later, Jesus came to essentially do that, not just for them, but for you and I. Because when God sees you and I, he actually sees that dog in all of its abandonment. And just put yourself in that, in that mutt's shoes for a second. What do you think he was, what do you think was going through his mind, assuming that we can understand a dog's mind? What do you think was going through his mind? I don't know that it was too far from what would go through ours. I'm afraid. I don't trust people. I've been abused. And I'm probably going to die. I'm not worthy. I don't feel secure. I'm broken, and I do need rescued, but I really am hopeless that that day will ever happen. And so when his rescuer came, he just kind of squealed like, this has got to be the end. But for Jesus, well, it is the end. It is the end. It's the end of something that was old and broken because something new is on its way. But let me ask you, from your point of view, how would you relate to this situation? Now, if I were just to imagine it, I would imagine it through humanity dehumanized. And here's what a dehumanized humanity would look like. Let's just put that slide up there. If I were to see things from God's point of view, I would see this. I would see people that live in fear. They're afraid. I would see people who in different social settings would say, I'm unworthy. I would see people who would feel unloved. That those people are loved, I'm not. I would see people that, well, honestly, they feel insecure. Insecure maybe about their looks or their abilities or any number of things. They feel like, I don't feel safe. 
Then there are those of us who would say, just broken. Drugs, alcohol, addictions. Or maybe not even that. Maybe it's just circumstances upon circumstances piling on in a sequence of such a degree that my life is just completely undone. I, have no, I, I don't even know where to go. I'm broken. God, if you are there, you're the only thing that I can even turn to right now. Maybe you know some of those people. Maybe not accepted. Like I went to be a part of this place and they said no. And I went over there and they slammed the door in my face. And that group there, they don't want me. And all of a sudden, not accepted. And even if I am accepted, there are groups that I'm not accepted in. And I, I feel it. And some days I wake up and I just say, I don't even know who I am. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll try on a few different identities along the way. See how they fit. My attitude could be, maybe you know someone like this, angry, frustrated, bitter, grumbling, jealous, greedy, covetous, lusting, competitive. There's only so much, and I'm going to get mine. But I'm constantly filled with turmoil in my soul. Churning, churning, churning. Give me a distraction, please. But at the end of the day, if you were to ask me, hopeless. Do you know anybody like that? Because if you do, then that person, and I would put myself in that batch, has been dehumanized. Because from God's point of view, that was not the intent. However, when you step outside the boundary of his purposes, you go into that territory pretty quickly. You start to feel it in your being. And you just know there's just something not right. It's, I feel disconnected. I, I feel out of sorts. I don't feel in sync. I, I, there's got to be something better. And maybe you felt that. I'm sure that, 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 that mutt on the street said, this isn't what I'd exactly call an optimal way of living. Uh, but does your heart go out for him? That's the question. Because maybe that'll tell you a lot about how you understand God. I mean, I get it. I told my wife after she asked me 10 different ways, can we just have a puppy? And I said, no, 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 no. Then one day she caught me in a moment of weakness. Coming back from Canton. Just had a wonderful wedding celebration with some friends back in 2011. Beautiful, perfect fall day. Sun shining, radiating, radiating on the leaves. I'm just thinking, man, I'm feeling, this is a good day. I'm just feeling my groove. Then the phone rings. Oh, it's my wife. And then I hear a chorus of people, can we get the puppy? And I'm like, oh. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Not getting the puppy, but the tactic is wrong. I said, all right, here's the deal. You take care of it, you feed it, <clears throat> you take it out to do its business outside, you, you clean it up. You also take it to the vet. And anything else I couldn't think of, I just threw out there. Bring the dog home, they say, here, hold it. And I'm like, sure. Take him back. And he's... He looks like he's half dead, to be honest with you. 
And there's part of me that's saying, because we got him at Rogers. I, I know Rogers is a fun place. I mean, it is a shopping wonderland. But for some reason, this guy had some dogs that he wanted to unload, and this was kind of near the end of the litter. With our name on it. So I'm like, he's yours. Enjoy. I'll be over here on the couch. So they put him down. He just comes marching over. I'm like, well, he can get up here, I guess. Gets up there. He's like, Leonard, you're my new best friend. I'm like, so let me just say this in all my frustration. Who took him out at four o'clock this morning? Who feeds him at least half the time? Who goes home on their lunch break so that they can not take a power nap, but walk the dog? Who is asked, can you take him to the groomers? I'm busy. Who this morning gets up because you heard the cat story, goes back to bed. Who is sleeping in my spot with his head on my pillow <laughs> looking at me like what I'm just like this day is not starting well Lord have mercy on the people I have to preach to today well here we are and it's all good and truth be told I do all those things why well I do kind of like Nigel. It's true. Something in here. Not here, because here's... When I stick to this part of my being, I do pretty good. When I start moving here, as long as God's in the mix, actually I do better. And when I look at all that God is doing through the resurrection, and I see people as a pastor, broken and discouraged, and dehumanized. And just this morning, I had a, a, a lady come in to my, my office, and she said, I got to tell you, you, you prayed for my daughter a couple of days ago, and she, cancer, um, back issues, a lot of relationship issues, and I prayed with her, and she was really at the, at the end. She said, I, I just, I just want to die. I've been feeling that way for a while. I said, well, you know, let's pray about it. God's probably got, he's probably doing something here, and he will. And I, I really didn't know where it was going, but I, I really feel for this lady because I've, I've become a friend with her over the years. She lives in Indiana, but when she's back, I counsel with her, and, and I, I know her story. And her mom came in and said, you know, you prayed for her, and it was just like night and day. It was like uh, something lifted, and she was different. But can I be honest with you? It's not me because I'm... Just because I, I got a, a, a suit on today doesn't mean I'm you know, some kind of alter ego superhero pastor who can pray well because I got my gear on. No, it's because God is working. He's working not just in me but in his church all the time. People I know have the same stories and that's what's so cool about it because God is looking at all of the brokenness and all the dehumanization and he's telling me, Leonard, you can't do it all. But if your church is faithful and if they are reflecting me, it will happen. 
Because all of creation is groaning, looking for that day when everything that's broken will be made right. But, but what is the difference of the picture? Because you saw the, 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 the mutt that was rescued that really didn't know if it was going to go anywhere. And you heard the music, didn't you? It was kind of depressing. The soundtrack of that dog's life. And maybe that's been the soundtrack of your life. But God's pretty good about soundtracks too. Because the soundtrack, when there was a pivot from death to health and thriving, it was different, wasn't it? Because the music that God plays for our soul is good, life-giving, healthy music. And isn't it amazing the transformation? I mean, I honestly never would have thought when I was looking up some of these videos, and some of them are, are horrifying, but yet it's like the dog is saying, I've got it wired in me to thrive. But perhaps my own choices, perhaps just evil work in the way it does, I can't. And I honestly have to say, that is, that is our story. God has it wired in us to thrive. When Jesus came, he said, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There is a dramatic turning of the ages that happened on Resurrection Sunday. And that's why I think it gets celebrated all the time. It doesn't matter what kind of church you go to, whether it's Catholic or Orthodox or Protestant or just Bible. They're all doing one thing today, or at least Orthodox next week anyway, celebrating the resurrection. Because that is the one thing we can all agree on. That Jesus ain't dead. And if he ain't, and we're in him, we ain't. But what does that mean? So how does Jesus rehumanize us? What, what, what does that mean, Pastor? What do you mean, humanize? That sounds secular, evil. No? Let me just put the slide up and maybe I'll explain. Okay. Um, put the one up that says rehumanizing. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Our rehumanized state in Christ you see, what, Adam, or what, what Christ had to do was actually go all the way back to Adam and become the new Adam. The Bible calls him the new Adam. And essentially he's saying, start over in me, but only in me because you can't have what you see on that list as an upgrade to your being without his supernatural power at work. It will not happen. You will always default back to that old list because in the old list it's always you versus the world and the forces that control it. But here, there is one who has risen... And when he rose, he set in motion a series of characteristics that would define his people in such a way that when people saw us, they would say, they're different. They used to call us, the, do you know what the very first Christians were called? They were called followers of the way. The way. The way to what? The way to life. Have you ever felt totally and completely loved at the very deepest part of your being. You just knew you were loved. Man, that is such a wonderful, secure feeling. 
which also leads to you feeling worthy. Because if you're loved, that means you're valued and you're worthy. And not only that, if you're worthy, then you're going to be protected because God, he keeps us secure in Christ. And as a result of that, um, we start to thrive. We're made whole. We begin to be who we were supposed to be to begin with. And not only that, if you're like me and you've been cruising around in this territory for a while, sometimes you wonder, why have you accepted me, Lord? Why? What was it about me that said, oh yeah, we'll rescue that one? It was love. It was, it was God saying, I'm coming back to get my creation. It's been stolen from me. I'm not going to coerce it though, but I'm going to put things in motion in such a way that anybody that wants to grab onto it, it is theirs. It is theirs for the keeping forever. And there's nothing more that I want than my kids to come home. But they have to decide whether or not they want to come home. And maybe they have blinders on and they don't see it right now. And maybe God's people need to pray for them that they can. Because home means you're part of the family. And I can look at every believer in the eye and I can tell them we're part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters by definition in Christ. But you see, there is an evil one at work. And there's our own rebellion at work. And the evil one says, I do hate humanity so much. And I want to dehumanize them as much as I possibly can in ways that will just multiply the cruelties and just keep them miserable. And Jesus says, yeah, you do that. But I'm going to take care of my people. As a matter of fact, some of the people you call your people, they're soon going to become my people. And I will deal with you later. And as Jesus is going through the Holy Week, and it is, it is hell on earth. You can't even begin to describe what's going on in his spirit. But it's, it's brutal. Because he has the biggest, most difficult job to do. And that is to restore humanity to its rightful place in Christ. Including you and me. But not all of us are there. Because of two things. Because there is a deceiver out there who says, You heard that pastor stuff today? Don't believe it. You're that Bible stuff today. Don't believe it. Church was good. Was it a good experience? Great. How was the music? Great. Preaching? Good. Sermon? Good. 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 Let's move on. Let's move on to this over there. That thing over there. Let's distract you. Let's forget about that stuff. Because the last thing he wants you to do is to embrace what we are doing in here. So he'll just try to throw you off track and get you looking at a series of squirrels that will pop up in appropriate times and chase after for a while and if he can't do that he'll do this he'll keep you coming but then he'll say do not do not trust those promises in the bible they're not trustworthy when they say oh yeah you're a new creation in christ oh yeah you're part of god's family oh yeah you are made in god's image oh yeah you are worthy because of the grace of christ on the cross oh yeah you you're being made new oh yeah you should love other people. And on and on. Don't believe that stuff. That's just, that's for serious Christians. That's not for anybody but the holy roller contingent of the group. I got to be honest with you. I think sometimes people feel that way. They don't look at the promises of God and say, God, 
I trust these things that you say about me because I believe what happened 2,000 years ago. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he broke the curse. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that on that, in that moment, whenever it was quiet, I believe he was doing this. He went down to the deepest part of hell. And First Peter tells us, let's put that up there if we can, tells us this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, yours and mine, the righteous for the unrighteous, and for us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and he proclaimed to the spirits in prison two words. Do you know what they are? You lose. That's all he had to say. And he walked away. And all of hell could just shudder. Because it was game over. And then God said, it's time to come home. You've been faithful. You've rescued all of humanity in principle. Now it's up to them to receive it. The devil doesn't give up easy. He doesn't roll over. And he's going to keep working. But the more we thrive in our new humanity in Christ, the less he really can get a grip on us. But the more we stay in the gutter with that dog or that mutt, wallowing in all that toxic stuff that by faith we no longer have to or should, the more he kind of keeps pulling us down. And for every believer, I just want them to know that inside the New Testament are embedded so many promises that redefine who you are and help you to be a, a new person. But the last thing our adversary wants us to do is read our Bibles. Let the preacher do that on Sundays. Don't look in there. Do not open that book. I tell you, don't do it. But when you do, and I've seen many of you do it, all of a sudden, and I'm trying to say, yeah, I, I used to do it, but I don't do it as much anymore when I should and all that. I, I, I'm not really even going there. I'm just saying, when you do, it just feeds your soul. It feeds that new person. You become that person. And, you know, we just ate, we just ate the bread and the cup, and, you know, you are what you eat. And last night, my wife made chicks, little chicks made out of coconut. And what else was in there, honey? And lemon curd. Coconut and lemon curd. I'm like, never had it. It's got to be good. And she said, yeah. She said, look at them. They, they, they're they're kind of singed looking in the picture. Like, you know, they were saved from the fires of hell. And I'm like, great. I'll eat one or five. And I realized why they were saved from the fires of hell. Where was I going with that? Yeah. 
Well, God's looking at us and he's saying, I've done all of this for you and my son Jesus. And if you really want to know, just follow his life. Just follow him and he'll lead you where you need to go. He will keep you on that path. He will provide everything you need and he'll give you peace. And he'll give you love and joy and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all yours. You just got to take it. And so for the believers in the room, we need to be the church for the people that have been dehumanized. They need to see it in our lives. And trust me, I'm not perfect. But I also know that I have a high calling and I do try to, I do try to live by it. Because I know what's at stake. And it's whether or not you are turned on or turned off to the good news. That Jesus died for your sins 